0: phone notebook Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, May 27th. We begin with Premier Jason Kenney's three-stage reopening plan announced on Wednesday. We break down the details of each stage and share reaction to the announcement from you, the listeners.
1: Next, we hear details on a new Calgary-based initiative, which aims to utilize the professional skill set of immigrants in our city. So we find out about the new Foreign Trained Lawyer program that launches later on this year.
0: Can we learn lessons about our finances from a TV sitcom? We well, hear some interesting parallels between the hit show Shits Creek and our personal financial well-being.
1: And finally, it's a new show set to hit the airwaves on 770 CHQR this Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Hosts David Wallach and Tara McCool bring us details on the business focused program called Calgary Next.
0: 709 mornings with Sue and Andy. And yes, big news out of the province yesterday as Jason Kenny announced his reopening plan.
2: Today We are truly near the end of this thing. We're leaving the darkest days of the pandemic behind and stepping into the warm light of summer. With Alberta's uh, open for summer plan, a three-stage plan, we'll see all COVID-19 health restrictions lifted in only a few weeks' time as long as Albertans keep doing the right things for just a little while longer. That means backyard barbecues, dream weddings, family reunions, concerts, festivals, birthday parties, dinner gatherings, and yes, the Calgary Stampede will be back on. In short, it means that finally getting back to normal and I think it means the best Alberta summer ever. This is due in large part to the miracle of modern medicine, the COVID-19 vaccines. The vaccines are safe and the vaccines work. They save lives. They protect our hospitals. They are our ticket back to normal. In fact, recent polls show that 83% of Albertans have already been vaccinated or are planning to get vaccinated. And that is why Alberta's Open for Summer plan is based on getting more doses into more arms. Our three stage plan is based on the percentage of Albertans who protect themselves and others by getting vaccinated. For the first two steps, the number of hospitalizations will also be taken into account just to make sure that we're protecting the healthcare system, which has been our central goal from the start. We're taking a province-wide approach. The rules will be the same for all regions, just as COVID-19 has been a reality in all regions.
1: Lots of calls, lots of texts on this announcement yesterday. Here's one just came in. The medical authorities, like the CDC, have said since the beginning once two thirds immunity has been reached, either from vaccine or natural immunity, we can return to normal. I'm surprised that people are berating Premier Kenny for his reopening plan. People are so negative. I don't think anybody's certainly not even negative, but nobody's berating the Premier. I think it's a discussion that we want to have with people as to how you feel. Is it too quick? Yeah. I think that's the concern that's the that most people have, right? Well,
0: and you know, what are your thoughts? You can certainly give us a call, opening the phone lines at 403-974-8255. You can certainly call. We'll, we'll hear your voice for a change. If not, you can still text us, 403-974-8255. And to that text, we got a response text almost instantly. And that is, you know, the, the texter says something very valid. The CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, said, you know, once we get to that 70% vaccination, uh, we can reopen things because of the herd immunity, Mm -hmm. right? Gail says that's two shots. Yeah, Yeah. when we talk about being vaccinated, it's the full meal deal. It's not just that one shot. And I submit to you, and I mentioned earlier, if people got their vaccine in early March, for example, how strong is it still when you talk about late June? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, March, April, May, June, that's three months. And we're moving into July. They say four months, the, the, the top edge right now that we're looking at. Some people might be pushing close to four months at that point. Yeah. I'm saying.
1: What are you thinking? You can certainly call, you can text, as always. Uh, somebody saying, sorry, uh, this is a miss. I will not be stampeding, that's for sure. Somebody else saying, although we're f- supposed to be following the science, we should supposedly be through it uh, when we can open, but, you know, it's still, it makes people nervous.
0: Yeah, well, this this texter says, difficult to say what the motivations of the naysayers are, but I believe... Kenny believes in the strength and innovation of the working middle class, the waitresses, the restaurateurs, the gym owners, the small-scale entrepreneurs are the heart and soul of Alberta. He wants them to work and generate jobs and money. Yeah, more and more. And I was listening to Angela Cocot, who was in for Rob Mm Breckenridge yesterday afternoon, and one of the things she said was, you know, tell your neighbors, if they've not had the vaccine, you know what, this is for the economy, this is for you know, everybody, our friends and neighbors and, and coworkers, yeah. So to a certain extent, let's, if, if for nothing else, if you don't want to get the shot, I mean, there's certain people who just won't. I, I get that. But if, if you need that little bit of motivation, what about like the texter we had maybe a half hour ago who said, I, I need to work. Yep, Yep, need to get back something about that.
1: And when you talk about the waitresses, the restaurateurs, the gym owners, the small entrepreneurs, the small business owners, they've been doing it all right. They've been Mm -hmm. following the rules and making sure that it is safe for all of us to go to their establishments. It's the other people. It's it's the us that have been gathering and congregating and, and being too many at a table at a restaurant, for example, and, you know, expecting the 18 year old server to, to try and you know check your ID and tell you that you shouldn't be there because that, that you're going against the rules. So I think that the, the the people who are behind the businesses have been doing it right. We haven't been following the rules. So hopefully this is impetus for people to go get that vaccine so you can get back to doing whatever it is you and, want to do
0: and, and is, however you want to do it. This is truly something we can control. You know, getting inoculated. This is interesting because <laughs> this texter says, no one is being negative. Wait until negative Notley speaks. Yeah, because so, we're underscoring that Shay Gannon was going to kick off his program mm-hmm. this morning with uh, Premier Jason Kenney, followed by leader of the opposition, Rachel Notley. Uh, this texter says, I get that she's in opposition, but she's called negative Notley because of her well-deserved reputation. This is what she has to do. This is This is her job description. And I, I think it's important. It, to a certain extent, maybe she does reflect the views
1: of, of a
0: lot of Albertans. Obviously, she, she was premier of this province and, at one
1: point. And the NDP still, and she, has very high numbers. So people mm-hmm. clearly are behind what she is saying. Is she negative? Sure she is, because she goes after the premier. That's her job as the opposition. Her job would not be, you know, being done well if she agreed with everything he said. That's
0: a great point. Yeah, this texture says, hey, if you don't like this opening plan, then don't partake in those things which you might think are high risk for, example if your wife's pregnant and you go to a restaurant to have dinner and you supposedly get COVID that's on you yeah then there will be it doesn't matter what restrictions are lifted some people might not feel comfortable and again that is your right
1: here's somebody uh saying uh, somehow when I'm listening to Premier Kenny I have a bad feeling this is the first time I I kind of of getting this at the feeling he had to do something to save his job I don't want to think badly about it but he is on his last try I don't know not feeling good about this says Debbie
0: is this, is this the premier's Hail Mary pass? We've heard dissension within his own party. Hero we know or that zero. A lot of the grassroots supporters out there have said from a long time ago, and we see a lot of these grassroots supporters in the smaller communities, and these were some of the areas where restaurants said, we've refused to close. Yeah. Um, so to, to try to keep everybody happy in the seat that he's in, people will be happy if we don't have a fourth wave, but will they be happy if we do see a, a resurgence of cases come a couple weeks after Stampede?
1: Here's another another text. As long as Moderna delivers on their vaccines, it will work. If they do, we will have no problem exceeding the required vaccinations. Should be able to do 2 million more uh, by July 1st. Very Let's interesting. See. It's long
0: been an issue here in Canada. Highly skilled immigrants arriving here only to face walls in getting certified to continue their chosen careers. The University of Calgary is stepping up to help solve the issue in one field, for lawyers. Here to chat about the new Foreign Lawyer Certification Program is the director of the course, Kalindi Wrightson. Good morning to you, Kalindi.
3: Good morning, and thank you for having me on the show.
0: Thank you for for being here with us. Uh, Let's talk about uh, how it was determined that the U of C should offer a course like this. Give us an idea of how it came to be.
3: Well, we had a huge... demand for a course like this and we were working with uh, the law society of alberta and a number of other interested groups who told us that there was a huge demand out there and so the law faculty got together and created this course that is very special and it has a number of unique features because it is uh, offering evening classes to um, people and a, a lot of foreign trained lawyers are actually working during the day. So evening classes is a huge thing. And the course also is offering um, value for money in the sense that you get to add an extra course onto it at no extra cost. Uh, so it includes five main courses and then you can add another one to make six and the most special thing and the thing that got me the most excited about this and the reason why I applied for this job so I went through this whole process of being a foreign trained lawyer and then I've been practicing law and the reason I put my practice on hold in order to do this job is because there's so much in this course that is truly innovative, and the most innovative as- aspect of it is that we're going to have a full-time assistant whose job it's going to be to help these foreign-trained lawyers get that all-important articling job. So that's an, an apprenticeship. It, it's a one-year apprenticeship that all lawyers have to do, whether they're trained in Canada or overseas.
1: I find it fascinating because does Canada allow someone, a professional from any other country to come and practice law, for example, without having to go back and retrain? I think of so many people who are professionals in their own country and then they come to Canada and they want to be, you know, wonderful, productive citizens and are unable to do that.
3: That's right. No, there's, there's no way you can come here and just start practising law. I mean, the the most important thing is that, that when you're a lawyer, a lawyer and you're practising law, you're actually offering a legal service. So it's incumbent upon the law society of each province in Canada and, and every other uh, country in the world, really. It's incumbent upon them to make sure that all lawyers who are offering legal service have the required credentials. So that's a big factor in this is, is that the Law Society of each province understandably wants to make sure, okay, yes, you've been trained in a foreign country and we may, may not be 100% familiar with your training, but we've, we've assessed everything and we think you're good to go. And that's the main thing about it. And so you know, you, you, you can't just come in and do it. But the thing that a course like this is going to do is to try and make it a lot less lonely, the whole process. So this course is um, really, really going to be inclusive and supportive. And I'm so big on this, having gone through it my, myself.
0: Let's uh, break down the structure of the course, uh, Clindy, in the sense that, you know, these people might have jobs. Is this something that they can do while they work in an existing job? And and what is the cost compared to a a normal university uh, degree or refresher? Mm. Mm.
3: Okay. So it's a one-year post-bachelor's course. And um, as I said at the beginning, we're offering evening classes, which is huge. And uh, to my knowledge, they aren't many or even any such courses that are doing this and we're offering that in particular to cater to people who are working you know in, in acknowledgement of the fact that when you do immigrate you can't just work as a lawyer if you are a lawyer you do have to get a, a work doing something else mm-hmm. so that's huge so what what the course is going to be is uh, there are Uh, five core subjects in Canadian law that a national committee on accreditation for lawyers uh, assesses and they will assign every lawyer at least those five and then they will um, add other courses on on top of that. So for $30,000 which is the tuition cost and this is $10,000 cheaper Than the equivalent course uh, offered in Edmonton. So we're going to do all sorts of these practical things in that year-long course. And that's huge, and that's unique to this program
1: as well. Fantastic program. Thank you so much for breaking it down. Thanks for chatting with us today. Appreciate your time. Okay, thank you. That is Kalindi Wrightson, Director of the Foreign Trained Lawyers Program at the U of C, helping foreign trained lawyers to achieve accreditation here in Canada.
2: They're still looking for him. They think he's in the Caymans. He was our business manager. He's supposed to pay taxes. You bought a small town in 1991, Johnny. Yes, I bought
0: that as a joke for my son. Wait, you actually purchased that town? Yes, I purchased the town. How else could I get the deed?
4: You go to photoshop the and deed. And saved the
1: money. Like, why, save would the
0: the money? I, why would I photoshop a deed? The joke was owning the Pistole. town.
1: <laughs> that was a clip from one of the opening scenes of the blockbuster show shits Creek. And if you haven't seen it, it's about a family that loses everything after their business partner runs off with, well, just about everything they had. They're forced to live in a small town the dad had purchased as a gag. But what can we learn about how to handle our own money from a show like this? For that we turn to Taz Rajan with the insolvency firm Bromwich and Smith. Morning, Taz. Thanks for joining us.
4: Good morning. Love that clip.
1: Fantastic. <laughs> it's such a great show and it's funny. And who would have really thought, you know, in terms of there being lessons to learn from it. So you've got a list of a few that we should probably take notice of. First one seems pretty obvious and that would be to file your taxes. Do we actually see a lot of people not filing them? Well, you know, taxes is
4: one of those things that can create a little bit of anxiety and fear for us, right? Especially if we think that we're going to owe money and, you know... Money is not good for us, right? So yes, filing your taxes no matter what is one of the biggest tips from the show. As you said, that's sort of the opening of the show is, you know, they lose everything because of a CRA raid and they owe thousands and thousands of dollars because they trusted their manager who, you know, stole 500 million and fled the country. So no matter what your situation, number one lesson, file your taxes.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, number two from... Schitt's Creek Financial Lessons. This is interesting to me. Have an emergency fund. How much should we have in our emergency fund? Is it to you know, vary person to person and family to family? And why is it so important to
4: yeah, that's such a great question, Andy. And it's a question that comes up quite often. And it truly, it's really less about how much money you set aside and really more about creating this habit and this mindset of putting a little bit of money aside every month or every pay. It it starts to build your confidence. It starts to build that, um, you know, faith in something in the future. And it builds that habit. And, you know, in a recent poll, Canadians said that, you know, even a $400 shock or emergency would be something they wouldn't be able to afford. So an emergency fund doesn't have to be, you know, $40,000 like David had in the show. We just got to start
1: somewhere. And Taz, that emergency fund, let's be clear, is not for a new pair of shoes. This is for (laughs) literally something important that pops up. I mean, shoes are important. It might feel like an emergency (laughs) to you and
0: me, Sue. (laughs) But would that be like, a, you know, a repair on the furnace that we weren't expecting?
4: For sure. It would be those unexpected, um, you know, an accident, let's say, or, you know, an illness or, yes, some sort of a home repair or vehicle repairs tend to be those sorts of things as well, for sure.
1: You know, there are a lot of people, particularly over the last year or so, that have run into some money issues. A shame, I'm sure, is a big part of that. And you don't really want to talk to anybody about it. But people need to get beyond that, don't they?
4: Absolutely. That's that's one of the biggest parallels that we saw in the show and really our our vision here at Bromwich and Smith, which is to normalize this conversation of debt. So, yeah, tip number three is let go of shame because debt in and of itself is already overwhelming. And then you add that shame piece to it. And, you know, in reality, it's usually not poor money management there's a variety of external factors you know divorce death of a spouse a global pandemic job loss so it really becomes an internal journey in self-forgiveness and understanding that Canadians have the right to restructure so there is no
0: shame. Another topic you say we can glean from the show when it comes to our finances is to be open with our loved ones about money why is that point important?
4: Yeah so true. You know, in, in the show, of course, the family, they didn't talk about money at all. It was just this, you know, it was always there and everyone sort of did their own thing and you know, oftentimes even couples don't really talk about their own money situation and so, you know, talking to our family can really alleviate that burden. It can create some teachable moments within the family um, and give you sort of a path to restructure and rebuild. You know, in the show, um, Moira sort of says, you know, she gets through because she can, because they can all lean on each other and they can be open and honest. So there can be some really great value and some bonding that can come from that as well.
1: I think that's a great point. Cause I, you know, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking back to my parents when I was a kid, they didn't talk about money. You didn't talk about how much you made and how much you spent and what this cost. You just didn't talk about it. And now, you know, and I, right. and, and my siblings, all of us were quite poor with money when we started out. It took us a long time to learn that. And I don't want to teach that lesson to my kids. So I think it is important that we talk about it and the importance of saving and financing and budgeting and all that kind of stuff, isn't it?
4: Absolutely. And just the day-to-day sort of what's going on in the household budget even, just being able to talk about that very openly. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe starting them young, as Sue alluded to, because the kids usually are not included. Let's uh, talk about... Asking for help. We mentioned earlier, I believe it was point number three about not being ashamed. And I think you have to get past that before you can ask for help. So why is it important and why is it important to talk to a professional, uh, you know, for these uh, uh, sorts of issues?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, asking for help is one of the bravest things we can do. So that's the first thing I want to talk about, that asking for help is not equal to weakness. It is actually equal to courage and strength. Um we have a right as Canadians to get help with our debt. Many other countries don't have this right. It is really important that we're speaking to the right professional. So in Shits Creek they, you know, they they reach out to raise sort of this jack of all trades. So that may not be the best thing for you to do. Um, but it is really important to reach out to, you know, in Canada federally legislated our licensed insolvency trustees, Romwich and Smith were across the country and you know, learn what your what what your options are what the outcome would be and then make a really informed decision for yourself and for
1: your family so that you can rebuild have you had a lot more calls through the pandemic taz is that something that people are are, are sort of understanding now that there may be some issues and they need to reach out and get help It's a really interesting situation right now,
4: Sue, because, of course, the government really stepped up with various programs. Lenders were doing deferrals. So it's sort of given people a little bit of a, almost like a band-aid situation and a little bit of a pause. We're starting to see people, you know, talk about it a little bit more. We are starting to see people reach out, but it's not this, this flood. And so really the message here is, don't don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait until you're in that desperate situation. Now is actually a really great time to just start having that conversation. It doesn't mean you have to necessarily do something at the moment, but at least figure out what your rights are, what your options are, and, you know, what that's going to look like. And Bromach Smith has a ton of great resources to help you out with that.
0: And just uh, quickly, uh, do we start to reach out that first month where we're having trouble making ends meet? Or do we consider that a blip? Is there some kind of a guide of uh, when, it, when it is best to, to make that phone call or, or send an email?
4: Yeah, you know, I think if it happens once, Andrew, it, you're right. It could just be a blip. But I think if you start to see, I mean, if you get to three months, You you need to make a phone call, absolutely, for sure. I would say don't wait until your creditors are calling you or a collections company is calling you. We'll still help you out at that point, but that just causes... Now you've got overwhelm of debt, you've got your shame, and now you've got these creditors harassing you. It just puts a real toll on your mental health and just even your ability now to think clearly and, you know, make a logical decision. So I would say don't wait until you're in that situation.
1: Well, who'd have thunk there were so many lessons from that funny show, Schitt's Creek. Thank you so much for joining (laughs) us, Taz. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you, Sue and Andy. Have a great day. You too. That is Taz Rajan, Community Engagement Partner at Bromwich and Smith. And you can go online, get more information. Taz was saying lots there for you. Bromwichandsmith.com. 8.43
0: it is mornings with Sue and Andy and it's a new show hitting the airwaves here at 770 CHQR which aims to highlight the work of successful Calgary business leaders and at the same time share their insights with listeners. Calgary Next debuts this Saturday morning at 9 a.m. With details on the program we're joined by its hosts David Wallach and Tara McCool. Good morning to you David and Tara. Good morning. 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 Uh, Let's uh, start with David. David, I understand that Calgary Next is your brainchild. So so what sparked the idea?
5: Um, I think what uh, sparked the idea is the last five years uh, I was involved. I was co-chairing the Calgary Economic Development Real Estate Advisory Board. And we've noticed that um, CED, Calgary Economic Development, first of all, is well-known outside of Calgary, but not well-known inside Calgary and they're doing some really exceptional work and the other thing that i've noticed we're talking with a lot of business people is that there's a lot of very good interesting stories here in our city and in uh, the last five years when the mood here was a little bit uh, low to say the least uh... we thought that it would be a different approach telling good stories positive kind of vibe going forward coming out from pandemic, coming out from oil at 20 bucks. Um, so that kind of sparked the whole idea of telling the story of local people that are successful and can be sharing their uh, success and, and how they view the
1: future for Calgary. Positivity, hopeful, uh, that interests me for sure. Tara, what interests you about the product project, I should say? well i 'm with you that 's
6: exactly what it was for me when David approached me and talking about it. Uh, I grew up in Calgary. I love this city, and I want to see it thrive and be on top again. I heard you saying earlier that we 're thirteen out of fifty in terms of livable mm-hmm. in uh, globally, so you know, I think we can probably bump that up, and business leaders would agree that that we have the potential to be leaders in a lot of different areas and after our interviews, we want audience members to be inspired and come away from, with an insight or learning about business or leadership and just inspire them to take action and, and move forward in a positive way in our city.
0: David, again with the premiere of this Saturday morning at 9 a.m., what can uh, people expect from show one? Well, show on we
5: are hosting uh, Brad from Calgary Economic Development to tell the story about what Calgary Economic Development is doing because we figured out we did some kind of a very small poll and we figured out that more than 50 percent of Calgarians don't even know what Calgary Economic Development is doing in in trying to uh, help the city, as Tara said, you know, become come back to where it was before the oil price went down. And, and Tara mentioned one thing; she said that she is a uh, calgarian from a very young age and i immigrated here 22 years ago with my family and i can tell you that a lot of archaeologists are looking for heaven in in the middle east heaven is here and that's what we want to bring we want to show that this is heaven here in calgary
1: i love it tara will will the audience learn something this isn't just about spotlighting businesses there's there's far more to it isn't there Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
6: We really want people to be able to come away with uh, a nugget, you know, an insight that they can take to move forward in life or in their business. So, you know, the people that we are spotlighting, yes, we talk about their their business certainly because they've decided to choose. These are leaders who could have chosen anywhere to live and anywhere to start up their businesses, but they chose Calgary. So we we find out why, we, we ask why, Um, you know, what it is that Calgary can do to continue to move forward. We ask about insights about leadership, what people have already done to stand out. We really talk to the disruptors, people who ask the questions and and try to drive things in a different way forward in the city.
0: Wow. Uh, Sounds like a refreshing program we're looking forward to. We'll be listening on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Thanks so much, David, and thank you very much, Tara.
6: Thank you.
0: Thank you. That is David Wallach and Tara McCool, hosts of Calgary Next. It premieres this Saturday morning right here on 770 CHQR at 9 a.m. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast.
1: Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And
0: tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.